It is another day. Welcome into the program. This is uh, For the Win. I'm Eric Winalda coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada, and the Win Hotel and Casino. If you could tell, uh, I'm in a good mood. Uh, it, but I, I got to be honest, I'm going to be off my game today. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the reality of, of how today might go. So be patient with me. I'll, I'll try and get through all of this information. We are a couple of days behind. I was not uh, feeling fantastic earlier in the week. If you could tell it in my voice, I do a little raspiness there. Uh, it turned out to be uh, just you know, your good old-fashioned allergies. Very windy here on Sunday, and it, and it blew me backwards for a little bit. Had the whole scare, thought I had COVID. I'm double vaccinated. I, I was concerned about it. I actually went to the doctor, and I said, I think I have a fever, and I, I have a sore throat. And he says, you don't have a fever. You're sunburned. So that was the, the first funny part of, of that. And then, of course, my test was negative, so. Happy to report that I'm well, I'm alive and well, and I'm here, and I'm ready to get uh, through just uh, a litany of information. The U.S. national team has released their players. Greg Berhalter has come out with his list. Plenty of people chiming in on this. I do want to talk about it quite a bit. Uh, There's plenty going on in the Champions League. Four teams have already qualified for the knockout stage already. Of course, that's uh, Bayern, Juventus, Liverpool. Seems to be on point. You know, it's not always an easy task to take out Atletico Madrid, but uh, they've managed to do that in very timely fashion, I would say. And Ajax, I want to talk about Ajax. Ajax is better than you think. I know they played against, uh, you, know, um, you know, a man down Dortmund and got the win, but uh, there's a lot going on there. That's a good team. So I'll get to the U.S. national team, and I want to talk uh, Champions League today. My boy, uh, Jesse Marsh, getting a very good result against PSG. Of course, they were without Messi which um, makes it easier, if you will, but you still got to deal with some of those other cats, and that's, not, that's never easy. Bayern taking care of business against um, Benfica. I think I mentioned this the last time. It's always the same. If, 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 this, if this fixture ever comes along next year, just remember these words. There will always be at least six goals scored in these fixtures. If you are, you know, I guess I'm preaching for win bet now, but if you make a, a, a wager on these games and, and we get around to a Bayern-Benfica, fixture next year. Just remember these words. There will be goals. Uh, Lewandowski actually gets a hat trick in this one. He's in, in his 100th game. He's got 81 now. Not bad. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Not bad at all, but Dortmund not looking well, even though Gio Reyna is getting inching closer and closer to, uh, to health. And what do we make of Ronaldo? I watched the game. I was with several people who actually care about Manchester United. And I'm not going to out this person, but, you know, this is a person that, that I look at and say, that's a tough SOB. And when, when Ronaldo got the second goal in extra time, he, he essentially was in tears. I'm in a glass case of emotion. To people who really care about Manchester United, this is actually beautiful. But what do we make of this guy? When I've seen all the funny tweets, I've seen people like say, oh, come on, man, stop saving Gunner's job. But the reality is, is Ronaldo's special. It's just, we already knew that. But it's just fantastic. It's a great story. And whether you hate him or you love him, or it doesn't matter. I asked my son the other day, I said, who would you rather be, Messi or Ronaldo? And the first question that he said was, when? Now? And I said, that's a good question. And then the debate became, because my son's 12, he's a fairly talented soccer player, which really bothers me because he played in a tournament and scouts from MLS were calling me. I mean, really, he's 12 years old. Come on, back off. But anyway, so the funny part was this is when, and then the debate became, would you rather have six months of being messy 
or a lifetime of being Ronaldo. Really think about that. Six months of being just without a doubt the greatest player in the world in the greatest form that, that Messi ever was, probably six, seven, eight years ago. And just the things he was doing. Or just Ronaldo for the longevity. And we're all watching kind of Messi's. The, the wheels are kind of starting to fall off. And he's out of his comfort zone. He's, he's no longer uh, in that, the confines of Barcelona, which is hard to really displace yourself. And then you start you know, waking up, having a couple of cold mornings, and, and the muscles aren't, aren't what you thought they were. And he's, he's starting to get some injuries. Ronaldo is, is uh, doing commercials for, for equipment that keeps him healthy. He's, he's a freak of nature. But my son said, I take Messi hands down on the plain side. But if being really good looking was important to me, I would take Ronaldo. I didn't know how to answer that. All right, so the, a lot going on in the EPL that as far as the coaching aspect is we've, we've been sitting here waiting for somebody to take Gunnar's job at Manchester United. And the reality is, is everybody else is getting fired. Uh, it looks like uh, Unai Emery is not going to Newcastle, which has sent up a flare. And, of course, Antonio Conte has landed in Tottenham. Now, there was a lot of talk about uh, Conte going to uh, Manchester United, but, man, I'll tell you what, Carlo Ancelotti needs to come back to England and take over Manchester United just to complete the circle with this Jose Mourinho, Conte, and, oh, God, and Carlo. It's, it's just, it's just we, we keep going back to the well, but I, I actually think that this is something I'm privy to, some inside information. I'm very good friends with Michael Lemonello, who was in charge of Chelsea Football Club, or at least in charge of the process of bringing in a new manager, and he's lived a few. He's had a few under his watch. I mean, even the Vies Boas of the world. But he, he had some interesting things to say about Conte, which is why I think it's going to be a great success. It is pattern play. It is something that if you don't know what you're looking at, you just think that these guys are, have, have eyes in the back of their head, but that's not what's going on. So when you watch Tottenham play, and it, there'll be a transition period, but I would say if you watch Tottenham play in about six to, six to seven weeks, when guys are making no-look passes right to somebody, uh, that's pattern play, folks. That's what that is. They train that. That's, it's an out. It's when you try to trap them. When you try to put on some sort of a press or a counter-press, that's how they get out of trouble. If you remember with Conte's time in, in Chelsea, that was the emergence of really uh, Alonso and Moses, of all people, who were just fantastic within that system. And that's all player profiling. That's analytics. That is, that's, that's a bunch of stuff that if you don't know how to apply it to the actual modern game, then you don't even know what you're looking at. But that's really what Conte is about. Conte is first and foremost about having the fit, fittest team in the league. That is, if you, if you watched what, what the transition at Inter, if you watch what he did with Chelsea, a lot of the debate with him, whether he was going to land uh, in Tottenham altogether, was the fact that, you know what, I really wish I would have had this job from the start of the season because everything that he does is a plan, and it's a step-by-step plan, and he's really probably already making excuses to the board saying, give me time. From what we understand, it's an 18-month deal so far, and then they're going to figure out the rest. But I think that this guy's, this guy's special. But when you see him celebrating on the sidelines, he's not happy for his players. He's not happy for employment. He's just happy that, it, that his own personal little algorithm works. That's it. That's all he's celebrating. Yes, science! And when he gets angry, it's, it's that, is that the, uh, the ball didn't land on uh, 23 red. I mean, he, he actually doesn't, he has a plan. He completely impl- implements that, that program and that plan with his players. And damn it, it works. I love it when a plan comes together. It works. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. A lot going on as far as the, on the, and the injury side. 
disappointed to see what's going on with Varane. Is, is, it looks like he's out. Lindelof had to sit one out, but he's, he's been included uh, with the Sweden team, so I think he might be okay. We all know about Pogba's situation. Uh, Laporte's got to sit this one out because he's got, uh, we had the red card against uh, Crystal Palace, I think it was. Yeah, it was Crystal Palace. And so that makes the, this, this fixture on 5.30 in the morning on Saturday, Manchester City, Manchester United, fairly interesting. So I'll be watching that. I did mention my buddy uh, Jesse Marsh did get a, a great result, but he's right back after it on Saturday with Dortmund. So that's a big one. Leipzig-Dortmund, that's a, that's a fantastic game. It always has been. And then uh, West Ham will have Liverpool, uh, and then we have the Milan Derby over the weekend. A little bit of MLS news. I don't know if you saw this. New England has decided to rebrand. They have a new crest. I think their tweet was, it's time. Bruce Arena doing it again, just figuring out a way to win. And this is the sad part about MLS. This is the part I don't like. Because everything that, ML, that, that MLS stands for, and then you get the playoffs, and virtually every goddamn team gets in because it's, it's, it's harder to miss the playoffs, I think. You see what Vancouver did. They got rid of DeSantos, and then, I mean, uh, is it Mark DeSantos? Yeah, so they, they got rid of their coach, and then they fixed that so fast. And then they get, the, they get the, the draw against LAFC, who looks like they might miss the playoffs, which I'll start the rumor now. He's on his way to Toronto. That's what I think. Bob Bradley will probably go to Toronto, and then they'll probably give the guy that is sitting in my last post Steve Sharundalo, the LAFC job, which completely pisses me off. I just got to be honest about that. The Las Vegas lights are so bad. I mean, honestly, I think I said this on one of the other. We were, we were watching a little bit of it. My dog looked at me, looked at the TV, and walked out of the room. I mean, it's almost like he knew how bad they were. Man, they're bad. I think they broke a record. This, we'll take a look at that. The USL had, did have a record as far as goals against. I think they were well into the 70s. 23 losses on the year. I know this is a little self-serving, but in the last two years, right, the last two years, and I know COVID is involved there, but the Las Vegas Lights have eight wins total in two years. And I'm not the coach anymore. Sorry, I, I won 11 games. My apology. I almost had twice as many wins in one year. The funny part about this stat, is one of my friends brought this one up. The Las Vegas Lights now have 13 three-game losing streaks in their history. Just try to fathom that. 13 three-game losing streaks from the beginning of the franchise to now. And not one of those happened on my watch. And I'm the longest tenured coach in that, in that franchise. So that just tells you how bad they are. All right, enough of that. I, I don't want to sound like the bitter guy, but there's, there's plenty of teams that are they're starting to worry about it. RSL is worried about the playoffs. Columbus might be on the outside looking in, and I've got plenty of disappointments when it comes to things that I wish would have happened this year. I, I'm, I think Tab Ramos is, is, is clearly on the hot seat. We did see Pat Onstad just take the, uh, the GM role. And we saw all the welcome home stuff for Pat. Pat. Pat is a good guy. For those of you who are not familiar with Pat Onstead, former goalkeeper for Houston, um, he, he did spend some time, I believe he spent some time with D.C. He's been in Toronto, been a scout, read all the articles. He's going to do a good job at Houston. He's going to do a great job. I've done some stuff with him. Very meticulous guy. Does have a plan. Hopefully that plan works. And hopefully he allows Tab Ramos to stick around and implement it because I think it'll be uh, pretty good. All right, so look. U.S. national team list is out. Here we go again. And I'm, I'm going to say this before I start reading off names. This might be the best team yet. A couple of uh, omissions. You got Dest is sitting this one out. Brooks is sitting this one out. And I actually, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Good, stay there. Stay there until you figure it out. But here we go. Sean Johnson, uh, Zach Steffen, and Matt Turner, goalkeepers. Pretty good setup. And I want to say this before I keep going here. Uh, Sean Johnson, I love this kid. His days in Chicago, clearly in New York. But, man, if I took over an MLS franchise tomorrow, just on character alone, his ability is always there. On character alone, I would, I would trade 
for him. And I'd probably, in many people's eyes, would be giving up too much to get him, but I want that guy in my locker room. And I think Greg Berhalter feels the same way. All right, defenders. Cannon, McKenzie, Richards, Robinson, Robinson, Joe Scally. You can insert that yay for everybody. Because uh, we can finally cheer for, for that kid, and well-deserved and all that. There was a lot of people that wanted him in the last, uh, last go-around, but he's finally made it into the team. Vines is in there. Yedlin and uh, Walker Zimmerman. Very good setup. It'll be interesting to see which, what we go with as far as playing against Mexico because you got to get that right. And if those of you remember uh, a very early Doors mistake that let Mexico get a goal in the uh, nation's uh, competition. That was, that was a little spooky. All right, let me get to the uh, midfielders. Acosta, uh, Tyler Adams, Busio, welcome back. Legette, cue the booze from everybody because nobody likes this guy. I happen to like him. Weston McKinney is back with the team, which proves that Landon Donovan doesn't know what he's talking about. Musa is back there. Uh, Christian Roldan, I like that group. I like it a lot. I really, really do. I had my reservations about Musa because I thought Eunice was a, a little, little green and Maybe that was a little bit too much to throw him into the deep end, but you know, good game, not so good game, great game. So, look, welcome back. Stay healthy. We are still dealing still with Gio Reyna's not all the way there yet, which is good, fine, stay there. Uh, Dorman's got their issues with Holland getting hurt. So um, this is um, this will be interesting to see how that all plays out. But welcome back, Christian Pulisic. It's actually Pulisic. Pulisic, that's the way we should say it. I don't care if... I know the story. It's almost like somebody was reading Mark Pulisic's ID card and, and, and didn't know how to do it, and they were somewhere in the middle of the country or over there on the East Coast or somewhere in Virginia and said, well, how do you say that, Pulisic? And then we all just went with it. I think that's what happened because it's actually Pulisic. It's not Pulisic, but go ahead and yell at me on any uh, platform that you can find that I'm, I'm out of my mind, but I don't care. Uh, Aronson still with the team. Areola, cue the booze. A lot of people don't like him either. I just happen to. And Jesus Ferrer's back in the team. Like to see that. And, of course, R Ricardo Pepe is already making Pepsi commercials. Not really, but he will. And Tim Weah. All right. Breaking this down and looking at the, the ability to move the ball in the midfield and the moving pieces that we could possibly have, really like this setup. And I think Christian Roldan is going to be a super sub again. And Tyler Adams will probably run the show, meaning sit back and orchestrate. But I'm hoping to see Busio get some minutes. I don't think that they will be against Mexico, but uh, I do think we'll go with experience. I think that is the, the, the logic here. As far as the defensive side of things, I'm becoming more and more a fan of Chris Richards. I, I think he passes the ball and he, he breaks lines better than any other defender that we have. Watch him. His willingness to get his head up and just pick somebody out 30 yards away with confidence and break the lines and get our guys running at people. You have to, but you have to understand when you've got a guy like Christian Pulisic in the team, he'll filter in, he'll float around in those little pockets if your central defenders don't have the confidence to actually make that pass, or they try to make that pass two or three times and it gets cut out, and now we're running, they stop doing it. And the reason why I like the idea of Chris being in the team is the fact that he does have the ability to make that pass. On many occasions, McKenzie does not. Can he defend? Yes. Is he, is he a, he's an amazing force in, on, the, on the back line, and will he be able to deal with uh, whatever, we, whatever they throw at us? Yes. But when it comes to, to passing... I think that uh, Joe Scally and um, Richards are, are the better two in there. Let's see where Scally gets put in because he's played on the right side. He's played on the left side. He's, he's shown a lot of versatility. But uh, this, is a, this is a guy that we welcome into the team. And this is, this, is, this is an interesting week, man. You know, when you, when you think about the Mexico rivalry, 
and this is a funny story. I shouldn't tell this, but I, I'm not even entirely sure that it's true. Just put that into your, um, your mind as I start to tell this story. However, part of my licensing, when I'm taking the highest license that you can take in this country with the pro, and those guys are fantastic. Barry Paul, is, he's a Belgian guy, but amazing human being. Has been very patient with me with everything that's going on in my life, which has really derailed my, uh, my testing. But they administer this test, and uh, Vim is also there. Vim van Vim, it's a great name. It's a German, I mean, uh, a Dutch name. But these guys are uh, administering my test. So I had to break down the U.S. versus Mexico, the loss in Atlanta many years ago against, uh, uh, I think it was one of Martino's first games. I think it was the Gold Cup loss. We lost one nothing. I think DeSantos got the goal, and I broke the whole game down. And from what I understand, and this may or may not be true, and they are refusing. They, they have that funny look on their face when I ask. I was blasting some of the players from the U.S. team in their, their, and our national team coach, Greg Berhalter, for not uh, pushing numbers forward. And, and, and as the game progressed in my presentation, I was basically stating that, look, this is not how you play against Mexico. And that the, the reality of playing against Mexico is it's not one of those things where you punch them in the face and then you stand there until they swing again. You punch them and then you punch them again really quick. And that's the way it has to work. You have to get on the front foot. We are playing at home. You cannot sit back and let them have the ball. You do that, you'll lose. Eventually, they will, they will grow in confidence. Uh, you know, I think Martina is a great tactician. He will figure it out. He will find the weakness. But what he's looking for is who doesn't want to play tonight? That's what they're looking for. If you've ever seen the movie Waterboy, at the end of the movie... They have to do an onside kick, okay? The English guy who does that, he was in a couple of movies. I'm failing to remember his name. I apologize. But he's the kicker, right? No, it's, the, it, no, it's a different guy. That's a different movie. That's the, um, what is the name of this actor? He's the kicker. And basically what he says is he's looking down the line. I just got the replaceables mixed up with Waterboy. That's what I just did. Okay, I got it now. The kicker is looking down the line, and he says, who's my bitch? Who's my bitch? And then they see that guy who's just terrified, and he goes, there you are. There you are. And that's who he's going to kick the ball to. And that's the guy that fumbles, and that's why Waterboy wins. That's exactly, I know that sounds stupid, but that's exactly how Mexico coaches and plays and addresses their tactics in this game. You wait about 20 minutes, and you just figure out who doesn't want to play. In that particular game, in the Gold Cup final, it was Tim Ream. It was Tim Ream did not want the ball. He didn't want to play. He was either being told to stay back, but he certainly wasn't interested in venturing forward because he didn't want to run back and chase anybody. It's the same principle. Now, when we play against Mexico, we have to pick this team appropriately. Now, we've all had our issues with Greg Berhalter. We've all pretty much said, can this guy please just once get it right from the start? Great on the adjustments on occasion, but we need to get it right from the start. And this selection process will be paramount. I, mean, I think we can all agree that, that even though it's been limited minutes and he's finally back on the field, Christian Pulisic did have a couple of – he had a pretty good chance. He missed a chance, I guess you would say, uh, in the Champions League uh, in their 1-0 win against Malmo. He's back, and this is the concern that I have. Those minutes need to be managed. I know that we'd all love to see – Christian lighted up again, as he did, uh, sticking in the top corner and telling everybody to be quiet. That was great. It was a great moment. But does he have 
how many minutes does he have? For I, The last thing we need is for him to be out there too long in a game like this, unprotected, and just getting his ass kicked. So if you see his number go up, okay, just please try to have some understanding of the process here. It's an important game. There's nothing worse, and I've lived this, than saying, all right, we're playing against Mexico. You've got to put everything into this game. I played with a, actually a partially torn groin against Mexico in a 2-2 up in uh, Foxborough. And I shouldn't have played that long, but they, they couldn't drag me off the field. And I wish they would have. I was out for two and a half weeks after that. That thing swelled up. I, I, looked, I was on an airplane flying to Dallas, of all places, because I had to go through Dallas back to San Jose. It was the only place I could go. And I had to get off the, the plane, and I remember feeling on my groin what felt like a golf ball and being really concerned that, oh, my God, I think, I think I'm really hurt here. And having to uh, ice that thing down on the way back must have been a weird experience for the person sitting next to me. But what my point is, is we cannot push Christian to his limits now. I understand it's a big game. We got to also understand that there's a trust factor with some of these guys. Tim Weah is going to, I've said this again, I will, I, I will continually say this. Tim Weah is going to have his impact on this game. I don't know if you're paying attention. I know that they're keeping this under, under wraps, but all the things that's going on, two podcasts ago, I said the only thing that concerns me about Pepe is that he might get an injury. Sure enough, as we were doing that podcast, he was at practice. I had Steve Davis on the, on the program. We were asking how things going over there, and they had to pull him out of practice. I tried to explain this, and it, it confused the likes of Alexi Lawless, who said, I don't know what you're talking about with that. There are certain chemicals that are released into your system when you're going through anxiety that make it sometimes very difficult for muscles to cooperate. It's just a physiological thing. I saw Alexi and uh, Stu Holden debating this, and why can't we play you know, three games in nine days? And what's wrong with these guys? And basically calling them out as if they're, uh, they just can't handle it. But uh, physiologically, this is tough. We went through it, and... You know, we were, it certainly didn't help. Guys like Tab Ramos and myself, we didn't survive that. Too many games, trying to put it all on the line for your, for your national team. And you find yourself in an airport bathroom thinking that you're, you're going to have a blood clot in your leg, you know, when you push it too far. So I, I, I sympathize with these guys. And I hope Greg Berhalter uh, handles it appropriately. But it is, it's a big one. This is, this is about as big as it gets when you play against Mexico in a World Cup qualifier. When we have, we've, we've already given away a few points. It's going to be a, it's, it's, it's always going to be criticized as soon as the game is over, regardless of a win or a loss. I mean, I still think there's a lot of fans out there that just can't get their arms around the fact that Greg is their coach and they hate that he gets to make decisions. And no matter what he decides, he never gets it right, even when we win. So this is, this to me, when you're looking at the, the great news here is that Mexico is on top. That helps us. People need to understand that helps us. If they were in a different pocket, and we were going in, and they were a little nervous, and they needed to win. Now we're looking at now we're looking at a battle. Now we're now it's a different speech. It's a different speech. Don't get caught up in the back and forth. Do not overreact. Do not retaliate. You will be constantly. It, 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 this is the this is the way these games work. It, you know, people don't understand this at times, but what you don't see, all the pinching and the talking and the the little things to, just to aggravate you to get you to throw an elbow. You know, I took, I took my shirt off after uh, the Mexico game in uh, the one that was 0-0 at Azteca. When Gre- uh, I think it was uh, Jeff Agus got a red card in like the 30th minute, and I had to play left back. Thanks, Jeff. But I remember taking my shirt off, and Dr. Burt Mandelbaum, who's back on the bench, by the way, with uh, this national team after a long absence, 
He said, so what do you got going on there? I said, what do you mean? I looked at my back and I had six or seven pinch marks with nails. To explain what that is, that's when you're on a corner kick or, or a set piece or they get close enough to you where they just pinch you, right? Right like in the armpit area, like on your lat. And what it does is it causes you to react. You immediately throw your elbow and then they go down. And then, you know, we didn't have VAR back then. There was always just a, an opinion of whether I may or may not have thrown an elbow. But certainly there was somebody on the ground holding their face. It was usually Ramon Ramirez. Love you, buddy, but you, you, you made a meal of a couple of those. The truth is, is that kind of stuff is always going to be a part of this game. That's why I said before, we got to go with experienced players. Now, the irony of all this is Greg Berhalter was that kind of player. I hated playing in training with Greg. Greg was a cheat. He was a, he'd, he'd foul you, he'd grab you. And there was three or four practices where he was the one holding the nice bag on his mouth because it's practice. And I would say, get off of me. And, you know, unfortunately, his teeth got to meet my elbow. That's got to be part of the speech going into this game. This game is going to not be a pretty one, especially from the start. we got to get the team right. I actually think I'm going to engage on this. There's a couple of people who have asked me in the past, let's see what your lineup would be. And I don't like that. I think it's disrespectful to a certain extent of what, what our national team coach is trying to accomplish. But I got some real thoughts on this. I've already mentioned my, my, my opinion of Scully and, and Richards and, and how that, that factors into the occasion with Pulisic, Pulisic and whether Musa is on the field or not. I think Weston and, and Tyler will certainly be in our midfield. I think Kellen Acosta has done, he's made a case for himself. He's, you know, it's not just a, you know, a pass in, in the uh, Gold Cup final. There's a lot of stuff that he's, he's doing a lot of dirty work, folks. I watch these games two or three times, several different lenses, you know, and, and that's the way I, I choose to do it. But Kellen Acosta's good. He's a good soccer player. And he does a lot of cleanup work. It's one thing to have, you know, to make a mistake and to have Tyler, regardless of his ability to play right back every once in a while, he covers more ground than anybody that we have. And he reads the game better. So he reads the mistake more than he reads the... the, the, You're looking at him and saying, well, how many good passes did he make? I'm looking at him saying, how many bad passes did he recognize? It's a totally different mindset. That's when you... you, when we try to play in a game that's going to be certainly about transitional moments, and it's going to be where we gave up the ball, where we can't give up the ball, but in the event that we do make a bad pass, which guys react the fastest? Tyler Adams is second to none. There is nobody that we've ever had in this country that is as good as he is on the immediate recovery. Never. We've never had anybody like that. I thought Chris Armas was pretty good at times. You could even say Pablo Mastroianni was pretty good at this, but he, he, he usually ended up on somebody laying on the ground and a, and a yellow card. Tyler gets there cleanly. He gets there. And that's why he's the one that's, you know, getting socked in the face because he's, where did he come from, guy? Kellen Acosta is actually very similar in that sense. He has, he has some traits that are going to be a necessity when we play against Mexico. And do I think Buzio's ready for it? Not sure. Do I think Musa makes that lineup? I, I hope so. So if I had to pick my four... It would be Musa, McKinney, Adams, Acosta. That would be my four. Because I think Musa has the ability to, to scoot things out of there. And, he, and he, can, he can take off. I think Pulisic plays, Pepe plays, and we've got to figure out a way to get, Pepe, uh, to get Tim Way in the game. Now, do I, would I rather have a 4-3-3? Absolutely. I think, that's the, I think that's the way that this team is, is finding itself. Uh, with Dest out of the team and Scali coming in, it's a wait and see. It's, it's, it's too much of a of a, it, trying to predict or prognosticate what they're going to do is, is too hard. But I still, let's go back to the very beginning of this conversation with myself, of course. 
this is the best team that we've been able, excluding Gio. Gio would make this a little, if I was being honest, and you, you took, whether it's Ferreira or Areola out of this team and you put in Gio, I think a lot of people would be feeling really good. No offense to Paul or Jesus, but I think that uh, they're just not all the way there yet. But wow, I can't wait for this one. I do want you to hit me on Twitter. I actually, I have been, again, engaging in a lot of conversations uh, recently uh, on Twitter. Uh, there's some, some people that have actually really shared some cool stories with me, and I really appreciate that stuff. Everybody you know, regards you know, Twitter as the cesspool of people that are just you know, throwing rocks at each other, and, and it's just a matter of how many times you can, you can take criticism. Or, you, know, you know how I feel about this. I've said it on numerous occasions. I'm sorry you feel that way. There's really not a lot I can do about the way you feel. I, I, I don't, it's not that I don't care about your feelings, but go ahead and have them. Good luck with that. I'm not going to engage in that crap. But I, I would say this. On some of those DMs that I got, especially this week, really cool. Really, really cool for people to share their, their stories uh, with me about some of the things that have happened in their life. And, you know, some of those were, you know, appreciating what I went through. Because one of the things that, that came up was our Berlin Americaner. I think that's what he calls himself on Twitter. He sent me a really nice note. And one of the questions that he had, and he wanted me to discuss it on the podcast, was do the kids these days or the players these days understand how hard it is uh, in Europe? Or, or how hard it was. And I think the real answer is, I don't think it matters to them. Do I think that kids these days, uh, when, they, when they come out of college or they decide to leave college early and they, they land, land on an MLS team, do they have a silver spoon in their mouth and are they, are they pampered and, and you know, it, it, they feel that they've arrived? Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are all good things. But part of the process of becoming a real player is do you really push the meter every day to get better. Now, one of the things that was brought up is I was the first American-born soccer player ever to break into the Bundesliga. And back then, outside of the fact that you got two points for a win, not three, which probably would have been the difference for us as relegation and not, there was only three foreigners allowed to be on every team. So that everybody was German, and then it was three guys. So you were excluded more than you can imagine. And there was always those moments in 5v2 or Rondos before the actual game on a Friday where it was almost understood that one of your teammates was going to try and take you out. Now try and think about that. Just think about that mentality. That one of your own teammates who had a buddy who was German and you were a foreigner, he wants his buddy to play. It was understood that it was, a, it was almost a professional component of what it meant to be a foreign player in the Bundesliga. You just jumped faster. You got out of the way. And then you smiled. But it made you better. In, the, in, the, in that weird, sick you know, reality of what was happening, that guy's actually trying to take me out, and he's not my teammate, same guy that's going to hug me if I score, because we just won money. He was trying to take me out. And then we would have some of the, you know, the other countries, like the Romanians, the Bulgarians, the Yugoslavian players would come in on trials. And then I'm the guy taking him out because he's trying to take my job and he's going to do it for you know, half or one third of what I'm getting paid. And it sounds crazy, but that's the way it was. And then you'd get in big games. You'd get in big games against teams that, and it was always the same back then. And you'd play against Dortmund and it was like Stefan Chapezau or, or you know, someone like that. Or Fleming Polzin was also there. And then we had, this own, we had our own fraternity. 
we were all hugging each other like, hey, we survived another week. I had a great exchange with Dunga when he was at Stuttgart. Which he, because we had played against each other in the, uh, the World Cup. Later in life, I actually got, he, he helped me with a project we were working on, actually a movie. But it, it was so great, because I want to change jerseys with him. And he, big smile, and he, had, he was just starting to learn German a little bit, and he basically asked me, you know, or said, you, you, well, you survived another week. <laughs> so that's the way it was. Now, do these players today um, understand how hard that was? My, my answer to you is it, it's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whether it's easier now or whether your passport cooperates, like Gio, for example, he's, he's born in Sunderland when his dad was playing there. So he's, he's, he's got a different passport situation. Christian Pulisic has a Croatian passport. I did not. My passport's blue. It's the only color it's ever been. So I was always uh, a, a foreigner. And I remember when I, when I finished my season with Saarbrücken, and we played against the German um, national team in Chicago. And I'd just been out the night before, I think with Mehmet Scholl and um, Christian Ziege, who, those guys are nuts, by the way. And I was supposed to meet with, believe it or not, his name is Michael Myers, who used to run Dortmund, in the lobby of the Sheraton there in downtown Chicago. And he came down the stairs, and the look on his face said it all. I was going to Dortmund. I had agreed to terms. I was on my way. And he looked at me and he said, look, I'm very sorry to break the bad news to you. You will not be going to Dortmund. Uh, we can't sign you. We have learned that uh, a, a German player will be taking your place. And we have this money from UEFA that we have to spend, and we, we don't have a, a really have a foreigner spot for you. Then I had to go back to Germany and play in the second division. But it was harder then, but it doesn't matter now that it was hard then. Did, we, did I take great pride in breaking down that wall? of every day waking up and saying, I got to prove to everybody in this country that Americans are real. Because I was fighting for all of the players I didn't know, for all the generations after me, that the, the, the perception of the American player was on me. Yeah, I made mistakes and, and I didn't play great all the time. But the one thing I couldn't do is stop fighting. Because that's, the, that's all I had. I, and, and I opened the door for guys like Joe Max Moore who, who, who came in. I would still say Paul Calajuri maybe, maybe is the guy that opened up the door for me. And he had only played in the second division. But breaking into the Bundesliga and watching all the guys that came after me, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that. I had a great start, great start. But our team got so hurt uh, by, the, by the winter break. We at one point, I think we were in eighth place. And everybody got hurt, including myself. And we lost, I think, I think, 10 straight games. We didn't have the money. So we ended up getting relegated. And it was terrible. It was terrible, but it was, it was a different time. Uh, and it was an opportunity for, uh, for me. I'll tell you one story before I, I let everybody go today. And you, you might laugh, you might not. But this actually happened. <laughs> In 1992, I was trying so hard to learn German, right? So I, I, had, I was taking Berlitz courses. I was doing everything. And uh, all my teammates, you know, especially my buddy Thomas Stratos, who was actually Greek. He was one of those three guys. He said, your German's great. You, should, you need to do interviews in German. Now, back then, it's kind of like Monday Night Football. They had the ability to have the, the, the showcase game of the week. It was called Themis des Volkes, which means theme of the week. And the, the big thing was, 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 was Winston Gladbach going to fire their coach if they lose to lowly Saarbrücken? And we went to, we went to, so they changed the game to a Sunday. It wasn't the Saturday's fixture. It was the Sunday game because it was the theme of the week. So everybody was going to be in their houses 
in Germany watching this game because they were all going to see if uh, Krauss was going to get fired or not. So I had a great game. I, I, I really did when I'm at my best Bundesliga games. I had two goals in the first half and a, a pretty good assist to Yuri Savichev in the second half. And we won the game 5-2. to two. But at halftime, I'm walking up the, the, the ramp and the folks at Renissimo, which is the big show, and it's the big Sunday show, he said, you want, to do the, you want to do the interview in German? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah ganz klar, sicher, which means, yeah, for sure, I got it. He goes, bist du sicher? I said, yep, yeah, auf Deutsch, kein Problem. He says, okay, it's live. I said, okay, no problem. So what ended up happening was he, he, he tried to ask me, uh, viva la estatora, like, how was the first goal? And my response was, what I tried to say was, I got the goal, they got the ball, and I took a great shot. Ich habe den Ball gekriegt und sehr gut geschossen. Was what I was trying to say. That's not what I said. <laughs> I said, ich habe den Ball gekriegt und sehr gut geschissen, which means I got the ball and I took a great shit. So the guy looks at me. This is live television, right? He looks at me and he says, gut geschissen? I said, super geschissen. Because I just can't, I, I, I kind of went with it, right? Great. And so he said, super geschissen, Zürichum Studio, like back in the studio. Uh, and I'm sitting there smiling like I'm so proud, right? Oh, my God. Game's over. I get back to the bus with the team, and everybody goes, hey, when I got on the bus. And I thought, hey, they're happy. We won. You know, the Germans are happy. Thank God. They're not going to kill me this week. And I sit down next to my buddy Tommy Stratos, and he says, how's it going, buddy? And I said, uh, did you see my interview? And he says, oh, yeah, it's coming up on our loop. Right here it comes again. We've all seen it. And then he explained what I said. I've never been so embarrassed in my life. But it actually was endearing. Like, people like, actually appreciated that I tried but telling everybody that I took a shit on the field, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't one of the highlights of my, my life. So on top of all the stuff that you have to go through as a player to try to convince these people that you, ha that you have to respect the game, respect your teammates, work hard, uh, and, and, and get your opportunity and make the most of it. I was trying to, 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 you know, to fit in and speak the language. And I go on television to tell people to take a shit. So... As bad as it gets, uh, sometimes this is something that you need to remember. Uh, those are all pieces of it. But don't have a shit in life today. Uh, enjoy yourself. I, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for coming along for the ride, wherever you found us, on Spotify or, or Apple Podcasts or however. I don't care. You found me, and I hope I made you smile. Enjoy the rest of your day. Continue to be good human beings out there, and we will hear you next time.